Drive into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode number 55 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers. A uh, lot to get to this week, but before we do anything, this is the Ramon Hernandez edition of the Breaking Bats podcast. Yes, if you remember Ramon Hernandez from those great Oakland Ace teams from the early 2000s, I know him from the bad Orioles teams from the mid-2000s. Uh, just a very reliable backstop, a lot, of, a lot of home run pop out of Ramon Hernandez, uh, number 55 there for most of his career, so... Uh, shout out Ramon Hernandez. This episode is uh, is in honor of you, big guy. So this week, episode is going to be with Andrea Arcadapani. She is the the brains behind the Scout Girl Report blog. Very good conversation. Last about an hour. Talk all about baseball analytics, Orioles, Nationals, like the arbitration process. It's it's a very fun episode. So without further ado, let's turn it over to my interview with Andrea Arcadapani from Scout Girl Report blog. Enjoy. So we are now joined this week by a very special guest, Andrea Arcadapani. Get it right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Uh, she runs the Scout Girl Report blog, uh, has, is an incredible Twitter follow if you're into baseball and analytics and breakdowns and analysis. Um, it, it's really, really cool to have you on here. So, so thanks for hopping on the Breaking Bats pod. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Absolutely. So I, I've been reading the blog. I've been checking out your, your player breakdowns. Like I said, uh, the the way I discovered the Scalker Report blog was through Kyle Stowers' uh, breakdown that you did, I guess, a couple of days ago now. Um, but ever since then, I was just like, this is some of the most like well-thought-out, thorough like analysis I've ever seen. And, and we'll get into all that stuff. But your your background, uh, let's let's go back and let's talk just like baseball fandom. Um, uh, Tampa Bay, is that is that who your, your allegiances lie with? Yes, born and raised a Tampa Bay fan when I was uh, very little. So before I could make any decisions on my own, my older cousin told me it would be boring to root for the Yankees. Um, I'm from New York, so that was like the go-to team. But uh, we ended up picking the last place team in the division, which was the Devil Rays at the time. So he taught me all the players. He would quiz me and stuff. And then we kind of just, I grew up watching it with him and, and just learning about baseball through that. That is a fascinating way to to discover baseball, just saying who's in fifth place, who's, who's going to lose 106 <laughs> games, Tampa Bay devil. We're not even the race. So this, this runs a long way back. Yes, it um, does. And you stuck with them. Absolutely. Well, okay. To his credit, he told me to do that in 2007. So in 2008, they made the world series and I was like, Oh my God, like, this is amazing. You know, I thought that was going to happen every year and it didn't, but they do have, you know, a competitive team. It feels like every year now. So. That's so do you think being a fan of the Rays, like, you know, as you get to learn more and more about baseball, like, do you think that's made you more receptive to analytics? I'm just thinking, like, as a Rays fan, your mindset has to be a little bit different than if you were like a Yankees fan or a Dodgers fan. Like you're you're not getting marquee names. Do you think do you think maybe that played into, you know, your, your future analytics background? Yeah, I think it definitely did, because like I would get frustrated when they would trade like James Shields or Chris Archer like that would be you know, super annoying. Like they were my favorite players and then all of a sudden they're gone. And, and here you go, you go, you get like a whole crew of no names essentially. Um, but then they all ended up doing well. So 
honestly, it just made me want to like, as soon as they would make a move, look into that player, see what they like about him. And then it just kind of happened naturally, like learning about the analytics and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I am assuming like being a fan of like prospect lists is another thing too, where it's like, I did this for the Orioles for so many years where it's like, you know, I'm just putting my hopes and my dreams on guys like in the top 10 of MLB pipeline. And um, I, I feel like when you're a Rays fan, the prospects there, they have a never ending supply of them. And that's gotta be fun. Just keeping track of like, all right, who's this 21 year old they drafted out of Clemson going to be. Absolutely. It is. And like, especially their pitchers always turn out to be incredible. So, I mean, going back, like Brent Honeywell was my favorite prospect for a while. Like, unfortunately he had some injuries that kind of threw him off course, but him, Joe Ryan, um, Tyra Glass now, obviously, like they just take these guys and they turn them into something amazing. So it, it is worth, you know, reading the top 30 for them. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from our friends at Psalm Sleep. Are you having trouble getting enough sleep at night? Because Psalm Sleep has you covered. The scientifically advanced Psalm snack includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. Sleep is the best form of recovery and has helped people everywhere take their games to the next level. It's simple. All you have to do is drink one serving 30 minutes before bed and your body will naturally calm itself down. Wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer your day. Go to GetSom.com, click shop, and enter the code BATS, B-A-T-S, at checkout for 10% off of your entire order. Now back to the episode. Yeah, there's especially so we talk a lot of it about on this podcast through guests that we've had on like the 2020 Rays alt site. Uh, do, you, do you remember that the COVID year and just seeing like, the, I mean, their list of and even in AAA now, it feels like Durham is like a big league team. But like, <laughs> do you enjoy seeing like, guys like, you know, that come through the Rays and they get developed and then they just turn into like stars? Like you think back to like that 2020. It's like if you look at that roster, it's insane. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's a great feeling, even if they're not with the team anymore and they're succeeding somewhere else, like that's still a win for the Rays really, because they get the credit and that player just got a better opportunity somewhere else. So I think it's a win-win. They need to do like a 30 for 30 on that, on that Port Charlotte, <laughs> uh, Rays alt site, just because like the stories you hear of guys going crazy and it's just like Nathaniel Lowe and Josh Lowe going at it and, and like practice every day. It's like, that had to be that had to be a, a sight to be seen, but uh, to to go back to you though for a second, how did so you grew up a Rays fan, a lot of success, a lot of analytics involved. How did you kind of parlay all of that into a blog and twelve thousand Twitter followers? Sure. So uh, I went to college at Northeastern University in Boston, and while I was there, like they have this program called the Co-op Program, where you could intern for six months at like a place that's relative to your major. Kind of, I was a civil engineering major, but at the time the Rays were like trying to move forward with their new ballpark proposal. So I ended up writing them a letter and long story short, I worked there for six months and that was my first exposure to just like a front office. So I learned about like the business side primarily because that was where I was. Um, but I made some friends in baseball operations there. And that was the first time I saw like a career in that field. So after I finished that, I went back to school. I graduated and I started working as an engineer. And then I missed baseball. I mean, there was always a part of me that like wanted to give that a shot. So I figured just for fun after work, I would like blog, I would write about my favorite players and all that stuff. And it took a little while, but I made a video about Ryan Yarbrough's arbitration case. He lost when he was first time eligible for arbitration. And that video 
did really well. Like John Boy retweeted it, a few others. Uh, it was really popular, and that's how I started gaining like a lot of followers. And from there, I was just posting analytics breakdowns, like player breakdowns, team analytics, things like that. Wow, that that's so cool to hear that like you turn this like passion because that's what baseball is for me. Like I don't at the end of the day, like the thing that I'm most passionate about is like watching, following along. Like baseball is like it's it's the best for people that like enjoy like the the analytics you know the deeper side of it right because it's like do you ever just get lost in like fan graphs and baseball reference just like i i feel like you can go on a wormhole of team to player like baseball reference for like six hours at a time absolutely baseball savant is a big one for me too and now pitcher list like their website is unbelievable they have so many stats on there i don't know if you've seen it yet but it's worth gotta, checking out gotta add it to the rotation um I love that. So I, I did want to touch on, so working for the Yankees in 2022, what, what was that whole experience like? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, I worked from January to January and throughout the year, I got exposure to a lot of different areas. Uh, I started out doing some work on some arbitration uh, negotiations that they were doing at the time. Uh, I helped with a lot of player evaluation, like helping identify targets in different leagues and, um, a lot of prospect evaluation. And then I also helped with like regular season advanced scouting and uh, same thing for the playoffs. So it was a really great year. I, I got exposed to a lot of different things. I feel like I learned a lot. Wow. My, so I'm not a Yankees fan, admittedly, but uh, my favorite story from the Yankees last year was Matt Carpenter. Just like the whole, like getting cut by Texas is like triple a team and then coming to New York and batting like over 300 and getting a new contract with the Padres this off season. Like, did you, did you like predict that like, or did any, you think anybody could have predicted that Matt Carpenter would have been like, like one of their like go-to guys, especially when judge got hurt there, hurt there down the end. Um, this is my opinion only. Uh, I think that I certainly wasn't expecting it. I thought he would be like a pinch hitter every so often, uh, but he was unbelievable and he really made a bit, big impact on the club. So I'm happy he was with us for that time. Now I think he's on the Padres. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep. Uh, the only thing I wasn't crazy about was when he was playing the outfield, but it ended up being not so big a deal. So, um, so I, the, the Yankees have like an older team, but like they, there's a lot of power, not a lot of contact. And I feel like that's kind of like a theme throughout baseball. I like, you look around and like, I saw Jeff McNeil who won like the batting title gets like four for 50 in it for a contract this off season. The twins traded the AL batting champ. Like, do you think just as a whole, speaking in generalities, like contact is not valued in today's game? Uh, I I see what you're saying. Like, I don't think that contact hitters get as much money in free agency. Uh, but I think that they are valued by certain teams. Like the Rays, for example, they had Ben Zobrist. He was like an unbelievable player. The Yankees have DJ LeMayu. He got a big contract. So every so often, you know, I think they do – they are valued highly. I think Jeff McNeil is valued extremely highly, but there's a certain, I guess, perception of them that doesn't get paid as, as high as the the power of the first guys. It really blows your mind because you think like if you hit 326 or like, I think that was what McNeil hit and you, you hit like 317, you think, oh my gosh, like these are so valuable. People will be dying to have them on their team. And it's like, I don't know. I, like the Orioles had like Hanser Alberto. I remember was like a big contact guy. And then he, they just got rid of him after like a year or two. It's like, I don't know. I, it just, it, it like baffles me that like in this game, it's not, a, it's like singles and on base percentage. Like they're so valuable, like you would think, but in terms of like, like dollars and, and everything else, like they just don't get as respected as like 62 home runs. <laughs> That's true. I mean, judge is not just, I feel like 
there's also a false perception because like players that get those massive contracts, like, yes, they have power, but then they also have the hit tool. So I guess it's like a mix. And then the contact is one down. Contact only is one down. But if you've got contact and power, that's like the go-to. Yeah, no, yeah, you're definitely looking for the combination there. Um, so to take it back to you there for a second, like your process for like player evaluation in like the, you know, the stuff they do on the blog now, or even back when you were working for the Yankees, like where do you start looking and, and how do you kind of go about, you know, writing up these, these things that you do? Sure. Uh, so I'll talk about my process for the blog, which I guess it depends, like if it's a hitter or a pitcher I'm looking at, if it's a hitter, like I'll just go onto any site. I think Fangraphs has this information, baseball reference or baseball savant, and I'll look at like what is their power like at their contact quality? So do they have raw power? And then is that translating into game power or is it just like going all into the ground or something like that? And then like, what are their bat to ball skills and like, can they walk essentially? Like how is their plate discipline? And then after you look at that, you could look at like how, what they contribute to the position, which position you think would be a best fit for them based on like their range and like how well they feel their instincts and all that stuff. And then for pitchers, I guess I would look at like how they do facing righties and lefties. Like if their pitch mix changes, how does how does their stuff move? How does it play off of each other? What's their approach now? Like, did they change anything from last year? Did they add a new pitch? And then how is that helping? And then just understanding like the movement profile. So like, is everything going to one side of the plate or do they have something that goes to the other side to switch hitters up? Just that kind of stuff. And, and all that stuff's available on Pitcher List and Baseball Savant. And it's just like how you use it that, tells the story absolutely yeah and that's a great way of putting it too because it's like you are telling the story of the player where it's like you put all their stats in perspective and you, you wrap it up with the conclusion at the end but it's like what what are some of your favorite stats to look at when it comes to like pitchers and hitters like i remember when i first discovered like what ops plus was I'm like what the heck is this it's just like a weird like random whole number and then i'm like it's like the, my go-to for describing how good guys are doing like do you have one of those like what, what are a couple of your go-to things you look for sure um for pitchers, I look at, like, after I look at the movement of their stuff, I'll look at chase, in zone miss, and then, like, ground ball rate usually, because that kind of tells you, I guess, the profile of the pitcher. So, like, does he rely on chase for success? Um, is he able to pound the zone with his stuff and get misses? Or is he throwing in zone and getting, like, weak contact and ground balls? So I think that that kind of tells, like, an overall story, those three stats. And then for hitters, hmm. I guess similar, like, you know, Chase, like, are they disciplined at the plate? Like, what is their end zone miss like? Like, can they actually make contact consistently? Um, and then, like, anything that's related to power. So, like, WRC plus, like, just their overall profile is fine to start. But then I like going, like, more in depth and seeing, like, uh, hard hit rates, hard contact, like, all that kind of stuff. That's fat. Yeah, because it's – you watch like Brian Kenny on MLB network sometimes. And I'm just like, what is X Woba? I don't, he just says these <laughs> things and I'm like, what is that even real? But like they are. And I, I definitely need to broaden my horizons when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, like what is, so that's a couple of those, that those, what you would recommend for people. It's like hard hit rate, contact rate. Like, you know, is there any, is there any other ones that like, what about, what about wins for pitchers? Do you, do you ever pay attention to wins for pitchers? Never, <laughs> never. <laughs> I mean, just because it's not in their control a lot of the time, like if, if they're not getting wins, like look at Jacob deGrom, like he's obviously an elite pitcher. And when he was, you know, those few years with the Mets, like there was no run support for him. That's not his mm -hmm. fault. Um, but I think just in general, like 
I, I mean, those advanced stats are fantastic, but I don't think that you necessarily need them. Like you could tell a story without them, even if your level of understanding isn't quite there yet. And like at the end of the day, we're talking about baseball, right? So there's like a few things that are important. Like, can the hitter hit? Like, and does he hit well? <laughs> like, you know, it's funny, but it's also like, that's like really the basis of what we're looking at. Like, can the pitcher yeah. like get swings and misses? Can he get contact that isn't a home run? So, I mean, anything that tells you that story is, is a valuable stat, whether it's ex-WOBA or strikeout rate, you know, it could be anything. What does ex-WOBA stand for again? It's expected weighted on base average. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's fun to say. That's the only reason why I, I <laughs> stuck in my brain. It's like ex-WOBA. Okay. Uh, to go back to wins for a second. I like wins only when I'm like trying to paint like a really fast, like quick analysis. Like, like all right, 15 wins. Good. Four <laughs> wins. Bad. Like, I mean, if he's got 15 wins, he's probably good. That's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's the only time, like, it's like shorthand. It's like uh, like annotations. It's like, you know, if you have 20 wins, that means did something right. But if you're like the Orioles when I was growing up, there's a lot of guys with 18 losses. So mm. bad. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so y- you mentioned that y- you made a video about, uh, was it Ryan Yarbrough's arbitration case? Yes. Um. And more recently, so, I did Bo Bichette's last week, I think. Can you explain the arbitration process to me? The only thing here's okay, so here's what I know about arbitration is that the player has a number, the team has a number, and then the team always tries to make it seem like the player's number is incorrect and that he's worth less money. And players generally don't love that. Um, what what's like the a brief what's the what's the shorthand like Cliff Notes version of like the arbitration process and and maybe even some of the work that you've done around that? Sure. Well, you pretty much got it. Uh, but there's a negotiating period in which like the team and the player will try to decide on a salary for the following season. And they do that based on the player's previous year, the platform year, as they call it, and uh, his career. And uh, if they can't decide on a number by like a certain arbitrary deadline, then they schedule a trial. And when they go to trial, the team submits a number and the player submits a number, and then they both give their case. And then the panel will pick one of the numbers they can't pick in between. And then that's all based on like very basic stats. So nothing, no ex-WOBA. No ex-WOBA? <laughs> it's okay. just like average OPS, hits, uh, home runs, like plate appearances, things like that. So very basic. And uh, they just have to like make an argument for why the player slots in the salary structure where they think he should. And that's all, that's all based off of comparisons. Like I think I'm as good as this player and he makes that. So I should make that. Yes. That kind of stuff. Absolutely. So like if I'm like Bo Bichette this year, like I'm comparing myself to like Aaron judge, Pete Alonzo, like at that $7.5 million bracket that he wanted. And I would make a case for, well, I played more than judge, but I didn't hit as many home runs as he did, but I still like I had more time actually playing. You know, just like little arguments like that uh, for why he should slot there. Is it a good thing for a team to be like, or like the team's counsel or representative, whatever they're called, like to be good at arbitration? Like, I feel like that's because I remember the Orioles growing up; they didn't lose an arbitration hearing for like twenty years. And I'm always thinking, like, is that like the best thing to be proud of? Like, you're, uh, you're haggling over like seventy five k. I mean. The, the problem from the team perspective, at least like the problem is that that adds up. So like if a player is first time eligible for arbitration and 
they're arguing for a number that's well above what the team thinks they should earn. And let's say they win that. So let's say this is, I don't know, your first time in arbitration and you want $9 million and the team's saying, no, you should only get six. And let's say you win. From there, when you go to arbitration again, you're already starting at a higher base. So it's not just like a $75,000 difference now. It compiles as you keep going for that total amount of money lost or lost in the team's eyes, at least. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's also like, I always just hear like some of these like arbitration figures being thrown out. Like I think Juan Soto made like $20 million in one of his arbitration years. Oh, did he? I I mean, it's hard. Like players that are that amazing, like even like judge made, well, they settled, um, but he wanted like $21 million, I think. Like no one's saying they don't deserve that amount of money, but like it is a lot and it's hard when you're making that much to actually have a comp or a player comp that's like close to it to compare to like Otani, for example, like his would be like unbelievable. Like who do you compare Otani to? Like he would be setting yeah. a precedent for himself and for future players like him. If there are ever any other players like him. <laughs> yeah. A t- yeah. A two way, just elite at everything guy. Yeah. yeah. That's, this is fast. And yeah, you're right. You always, you always hear that the team avoided arbitration with, so that just means that like they obviously didn't go to like the, the settlement hearing or whatever. They just decided, Hey, we'll, we'll meet your, we'll figure out what we're going to do outside of that. Yeah, exactly. So like when they negotiate and like, let's say they are in mutual agreement, like, okay, I'm fine with making $6 million next year and the team's fine with paying them that. And that's it. They avoided arbitration and, and they're settled. I like when they, uh, just give extensions out to buy out arbitration years, like what the Rays did for Pete Fairbanks. Shout out Pete Fairbanks. Uh, <laughs> and Jeffrey Springs and Yandy Diaz. They were very active in not going to arbitration and just giving out extensions. Did, did that did that make you happy seeing that? Yeah, absolutely. I always like when, you know, deals that work out for the players and, you know, it's nice when they work out for the team as well. But I think the arbitration system is pretty outdated, like based on the stats they use. Uh, so you know, I'm happy when the players succeed. It's crazy because, like, I feel like there's some teams that, like, a, a big thing on this podcast is what we love that what the Atlanta Braves do and that, like, they give out, like, eight- or ten-year contracts to their guys, like, in their first year. So they don't even go through the arbitration process. It's like Michael Harris, here's eight for 82 or whatever he got. Like, do you think that, like, that's an outlier in, in terms of, like, teams being that willing to just, like, here's here's all these extensions? Or, like, do you do you have a take on, like, I feel like there's some teams that don't do it at all. And then you have the Atlanta Braves that it just, all they do is give out 10 years. <laughs> uh, I think it's from the team side. I think it's fantastic to give out extensions. If the player is a great player, like Acuna, Albies, Spencer Strider, Harris, like these are like top tier players. So to sign them to an extension is essentially like a very team friendly deal because you know that they're going to be successful throughout their time, you know, barring an injury or anything like that. Um, so I guess from the team side, I if you have a player that's top tier, yeah, I think you should sign an extension. But as we've seen, like sometimes players take less than what they would get in free agency uh, because they're signing that extension, like Wander Franco, for example, or Tatis, or like these, you know, really good players. They they get a, a huge guaranteed contract, which which is amazing for them, but they are like they'd rather get the money now than wait and see that they can get more in free agency. The flip side for that is always like when the Phillies gave Scott Kingery, like $50 million. 
Like, yeah. I feel like there's yes. always there's like a, there's two sides to every coin where it's like it yeah. could turn out to be like the best deal ever. I guess it can't be that bad either. Where it's like you know what's ten million to the Phillies? Like that that's not they can eat Scott Kingery's contract. Easy. I guess. I mean, obviously they don't want to do that, but like I. I see what you're saying. You never know. Like something happens, like a player gets the yips or, you know, whatever the case may be, but there is two sides. Like it's good for them because they know that they're going to earn the money. It takes less pressure off. They don't have to worry about like all the political aspects of the team. Yeah. It's, it's a very fascinating process that plays out, um, which is so cool that you, you do breakdowns of this. Because I, I love reading about that stuff. Like I said, like the first thing I watched of yours was like the breakdown of Kyle Stowers, who for 99.9% of baseball fans, they have no idea who that is. But that is kind of like the fun part of baseball where it's like you get to tell the stories of guys that aren't like household names. Like what are some things that you or like what are things that you look for when you want to do a breakdown of that type? Um, and, and it's just like telling the stories of non-household names, something that you really enjoy. It absolutely is something I enjoy because like you said, like we're both very passionate about baseball. So like I love going through and finding like under the radar players and anyone can turn on any MLB network and hear about like Soto, Judge, Tatis, like any of these big name guys. So I guess my idea was to try to pick out guys that are also very good, but just not being talked about by most of the media. So I mean, they're fun to find because I go through the rosters like you see, wow, like who is this guy? But he's got amazing power and he's got an amazing hit tool and all this stuff. But then, you know, being able to share that with everyone is is really cool as well, because I think it brings like a lot of attention to those players. So who are some people that have caught your eye in, in doing that kind of research, like you mentioned? Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. I have a little list. <laughs> um, well, if you want to talk about the Orioles, I know I did Kyle Stowers on the video, but I think Gunnar Henderson is really, really good. I'm so excited to watch him this year. He's got really good power, uh, elite hard hit rates. The only thing with him is like he hits too many ground balls. Um, but, uh, you know, not a huge deal right now. Um, he's got great plate discipline and he's above average defensively at third base I think he's better suited for third than shortstop in my opinion but he he's fine playing shortstop if he puts up those kinds of numbers at the plate so I really like him do you like Henderson I'm sure you do. I love Gunner yeah I mean he's <laughs> he's ever, like he just flies around the bases and you're right putting guys like him at third base I don't think will be any problem at all um you know because you could probably age and you could keep Mateo at shortstop so it's like the Orioles infield they almost have too many good guys and then you throw in Adam Frazier and Mountcastle at first, like the Orioles might have one of the best under the radar infields. If you get a full season of Gunner, Mateo will steal 45, 50 bags. It feels like, so it's like, and, and you know, friend of the podcast, Adam Frazier playing second. I love, I love the Orioles infield so much, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that. I mean, they have like, they have a lot of under the radar guys. I think that people are sleeping on just because they don't know their names. I mean, even, I mean, I don't think DL Hall is a small name, but I would, bet that a lot of more casual fans don't know who that is but he is like an unbelievable pitcher I think he should have a shot at the rotation but I don't think he will starting the year at least uh some issues with control but he's got a really good four seam really good slider I mean he gets a lot of chase so I would be super excited to see him play this year again but I like that can I can, I want to give you one that maybe you know this could be a future I feel like he's more of a household name but Corbin Carroll uh, from the Diamondbacks, he, uh, okay, hold I think on. he's like the number two overall prospect right now. 
Um, he has the record for sprint speed. I think it's like 30.7 feet per second. It's faster than Trey Turner. Wow, really? Yeah. Whoa. Uh, and he's like my favorite player because he he's really he's like 5'10, 160. And like if you look at his jersey, it just like swallows his arms because he didn't really have arms, but he still hits 30 home runs. So oh my gosh. Okay. He's not in their 40 man, right? Or is he? Uh he played like 30 games last year. He, I, I think he I think he's on the 40 man. Um he's like He's the real deal. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I found him. I love him. Highly recommend. <laughs> I love him. I found my notes on him. <laughs> He's got unbelievable oh, yeah. power. Yeah, I really like his power. Great hard hit rates. Um, his hit tool, I don't think as as developed, but he's a really good fielder as well. Um, did he play center field last year? Yep. He did. Okay. I okay. I need I need to watch him play center. I ha- I'm on the fence about that, but from your watching him was he good yeah i mean he the, the speed just plays in, in every aspect of his game like beating out a ball the first base like run it you know getting the gaps getting the balls in the gaps like i'm gonna watch diamondbacks games and that's not a sentence that i think i've ever said um, <laughs> I, I mean I would, they've got you know they're not that bad they're not good no offense to them but they're not that bad like they have some good names like they've got Marte. they just trade for moreno Corbin and Carroll, as you mentioned, and I like their pitchers too, Gowan and Kelly. So they've yeah. got they've got some pretty good names here. It's gonna be a fun year. I, I don't think anybody expected them to win seventy four games. That was like if you had to rank like it was like the Orioles were like the biggest surprise in baseball, but a quiet number two is like Arizona going from fifty two wins to seventy four. Nobody talks about that. <laughs> no, they don't. But <laughs> I'll probably watch them too because um, they've got Longoria and as a Rays fan, yes, like. <laughs> That's the way to go. So uh, to kind of jump ahead, though, I saw like I I love power rankings. I love lists of any kind. Anything like that's why Bleacher Report has done well for so long. It's like people just debating lists. Uh, I don't want to go like line by line, but I saw you had the twins as your number five team. And (laughs) I'm just I'm just curious. Um, Okay, I'll give you the platform (laughs) if you want it. But what what's what do you like about the twins? Sure. I guess a caveat. I just want to say first that like this list was not supposed to be reflective of like these are the teams I think are going to make the playoffs like in this order, which is why I have the Phillies super low. But it was more so like which 40 man roster do I like the best and just an order of that, like regardless of their division and, and where I think that they'll end up in the playoffs. The, and then also, like, I didn't want to just regurgitate, like, the standings from last year. <laughs> so I figured I would take some, like, creative guesses, especially, like, with the season this year being, like, every team's going to face every other team. Like, not the typical, um, like, outlook. I don't think anyone can really predict what happens. But all I know is that I think the Twins have a good roster. I think their team is well-rounded. I think their rotation is good. They've got a strong offense. Uh I like the rotation. I like the bullpen. And I think they have good depth, which ultimately is what carried like all the teams in my top 10 or so. Like if they had good depth, like they were going to be up there. So I think they do. They've got Royce Lewis, who's hurt to start the year, I think, but he's unbelievable. Um, Matt Walner is an outfielder who's pretty good, has some power. Um, I mean, like if you look at the roster beyond the 26, like they've got guys that could fill in if like Correa gets hurt or Byron Buxton. But if those guys stay healthy and everything falls into place, like this is a really solid team in my opinion. I like this. Yeah. Cause like you're right. It would just kind of be like a cop out to say like, yeah, like I think the Yankees and the Dodgers and and the Astros and the Phillies are going to be good. Cause it's like, anybody can say that, but I like that you're willing to go out on a limb 
and, and take a chance on a 78 win twins team. Um, I do. I'd like something. I did, like you're right. Byron Buxton only played like 92 games last year. So it's like a full year of him. Joey Gallo. Are we in or out on Joey Gallo? I think Joey Gallo like is just the type of player he is. Um, he New York, I don't think was a good environment for him given how he did there. Um, but hopefully yeah. he'll do better in Minnesota. Cause I think that he is three true outcomes. He's always been that. And I think that he can continue to do that next year. If he just like sticks to how he's always played. Does it ever make you, you know, you never get a kick out of just like Joey Gallo's like old baseball reference history. Uh, we've talked about this on here a little bit where it's like one year he had 40 homers or 41 homers and 80 RBIs. It's just, like, he doesn't, you know, it's, it's either a solo home run, a walk or a strikeout. And you know, he's made it, he's made a career out of it, but just like there aren't that many Joey Gallows around floating around anymore. Uh, so it's cool to see a throwback. Absolutely. I mean, you don't, I mean, I wouldn't say like if I see a, saw a young prospect with three true outcomes, I wouldn't be like, Oh, that's the next Joey Gallo. I kind of like mark that as a red flag. And like, this is the best case outcome. I think for a player like that. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteed a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. Absolutely. Um, so speaking about the, the teams that I'm a fan of the Orioles and the nationals, there, there are wildly different trajectories. I feel like the Orioles are on the way up and the nationals are, I don't know if they've hit rock bottom yet, but we're close. Um, <laughs> when, when you look at the, the rosters and the 40 mans and, and everything that goes into these teams, we've already talked a little bit about the Orioles, but maybe this would be more of a nationals focused question. But like when you, when you see what they're, they're trying to rebuild in DC, like how do you see that playing out? Do you like, do you, are you like, I know the Nationals have some intriguing young guys, but what's your kind of sense for how the Nationals are doing rebuild-wise? Um, okay, I I don't think they're going to be even remotely close to a good team this year, um, but I have really liked the trades that they made. It's like when they got Ruiz, um, they got Abrams, let's see who else. Those are two really high-quality hitters um, and just position players in general. And then uh wood i believe james wood young prospect outfielder he's unbelievable i'm excited to see him so like i know you told me not to talk about the prospects like that's the only thing i have going for this team (laughs) is that like in a year or two like these guys are going to come up and be like really good um kate cavalli uh let's see i mean they do have some young names i actually like their bullpen a little bit finnegan jr harvey and arano the point of like strength like the the, the the beam of light was always like the starting pitching's bad, the hitting for the most part is not that great, but like the bullpen has like some guys with sub threes in there somehow. Yeah. No, I mean the worst case, like they could trade one of those guys, but I don't think they will. Like Arano is only in his first or second year. Like he's pretty early on. He's got some years of team control left. Um, but yeah, I mean they definitely have some strengths. Like as soon as the prospects are ready they add a few other pieces because a lot of the guys on their roster right now are just like one year guys, yeah. um, which is not, I mean, that's the way to do it. If you're rebuilding, like you're not going to sign someone to a major extension. Um, though they did surprise me last year when they signed Nelson Cruz. 
for like that crazy contract. Was it like $15 million or something? Yeah, I think it might even had an option year. I think they yeah. might have declined that. Like that like threw me off base. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're doing the rebuild to the best of their ability. Like the trades that they're making are smart trades. Uh, so power to them. Do you think there's anything to like the, 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 the Nelson Cruz sign is what really made me think about this. Like a bad team going out and signing a guy that's like kind of uncharacteristic for where they are kind of like record wise, but just for like a recognizable name slash a name that you could buy the Jersey of. Like I, I wish more bad teams would be more active in that kind of regard. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's from a fan's perspective. If like, I'm, if I'm going to go to the ballpark and watch you lose, I want to see somebody fun at least. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, you're talking about like one year deals when they do that. Yeah. Or even like the, what the Rockies did with Chris Bryant, they didn't need Chris okay. Bryant, but like, it is fun that they have. <laughs> it, it is fun. Um, but I mean, I think in the Cruz case, like, yeah, he's like a, a big name player to an extent. Uh, but I think it's more so like if they sign someone to a short-term deal and they end up doing really well, they could trade them. I think that that's like the major benefit of that, but I mean, if I was rooting for one of those teams, it wouldn't hurt to have like a Chris Bryant on that team. <laughs> Chris Bryant is the ultimate, like why? Like why? Like, <laughs> I don't know how the Rockies project for the next like six years or however long his contract is there for, but like, I'm looking at your, you have number 28 is where you have Colorado. Is that, uh, <laughs> is, that is that about right? Just for, just for going forward? Is that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Do you that's disagree? 30, no, I think that's perfect actually. <laughs> Okay. I mean, anywhere like after like 24, I think like 25 through 30, you could rearrange them in any order you want. But yeah, I mean, maybe the pirates are a little better, but eh, you know, it, it, they're all not good. So we could put them in any order. <laughs> I am. I am also a pirates fan. I there's just, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Like they're like my, they're number three, I would say. So okay. it's like, I like going to games. I like keeping track of them. And it's weird. Cause like, I'll go to get, I'll go to pirates games and talk to pirates fans. And I'm like, I'm having a great time rooting for them, but it is just a lot of pain and misery up there. Um, mm. where like they're, they haven't panned out on a lot of prospects and they keep trading guys for the don't really turn out. But like, I don't know. I, I like the pirates going forward. Call me crazy. No, I, that's a perfectly valid opinion. Yeah. There are a few other players I like. I mean, G man Choi, I know from the Rays. um, Carlos Santana is good. Brian Reynolds, David Bednar. I actually really like him. Uh, yeah, they've got some guys. Reynolds, going is, them. Reynolds could be on the way out. That's that's a weird that's a weird situation. They haven't traded him yet, though. So I guess we'll see. I I, I hope that their signing of McCutcheon was kind of like like maybe like hey we're we're trying to get you some help. Um, like I don't I feel like when you look at like the like John Boy and all these people tweeted out the Pirates projected opening day lineup and you look at it and you're like not bad. I don't know. I feel like that could be something. I guess. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think that they're like abysmal. They've got some. They've got some power, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Full, <laughs> I, I full think year. It's, uh, it's tough division. <laughs> Ooh, here's a good one for you. Uh, O'Neill Cruz is the Statcast king of every of every Statcast. Whatever, pick pick one. He's he's the best at it. Is he? Um, I know he had the fastest throw across the infield. I think he had the hardest hit ball last year, or if not the th the hardest, like top five. Like wow, I mean, he's got like elite power. That's <laughs> yeah. He's uh, I would mark him down. I would I would put that in the back of your brain. Just like 
check in on check in on O'Neill Cruz throughout the course of the year. Definitely will. I really like him. His arm, like you said, is so good. Range isn't isn't there, right? Is uh, it a little slow? I, think it, I, mean, I feel like it's okay. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I haven't seen him play him, that but... much, so I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll t- trust your judgment on that since you're a Pirates fan. <laughs> well, I think the thing with him is that like they're trying to figure out if he's going to stay at shortstop when he's like six seven. Because ah, like you okay. traditionally <laughs> like when you're gigantic. Like you could be tall, like Cal Ripken was tall and played for 20 years or whatever at shortstop. But like, I feel like they're worried at some point they're just have to stick him in a corner. Mm, all right. Um, I mean, I like him lefty with power. Never hurts. Can to you, have that. can you give me one under the radar? So I, every year we try to predict like the sleeper team, the under the radar team. I said the Royals and the Cubs last year. Oh, for two. Um, do you have an early <laughs> sense of who would be in the running for sleeper slash surprise team? Um, mm. how, okay. I want to say the Mariners or the twins, but I feel like those are two that I have pretty high. Like I feel like they're expected to do like pretty well. So I don't know if that's a sleeper. Let me try to pick a more bold one. Can I pick the Orioles? You can pick the Orioles. Yeah. All right. I'll pick the Orioles. I like the Orioles. I think that they've got like a, a lot of young guys that are like hungry to win. And like we saw what they could do last year after Rushman came up. So I think that they've got something in them. 83 wins last year. Who, who's to say we can't be pushing 90? Get a full year. I feel like that's what they're banking 90. on when it's. Yeah. Who's, who's to say we can't? I always feel like that's what they're banking on. And that's why they didn't spend so much money this offseason because they're like, they're just doing the, well, if we get 150 games with this guy and 140 from this guy, like Stowers, and like, I feel like that's their addition is like, We'll give you 150 games of Gunner. I mean, that's, I don't know how well that worked, but I don't know. I think they, they have like a special something with that team. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the team chemistry or something. Like it just seems like a good group. It does. I, I've, I've thought about this a little bit. I might, I might tweak this at some point, but uh, whenever we do the official like predictions for this year, give me Texas, give me Texas Rangers. Uh, I'm drinking the blue Kool-Aid. I don't know. If, I don't know if you could call them a sleeper team because they spend all this money. I mean, they spend money every off season, but like, I like Texas a lot. I don't know what their win total over under is, but I'm pressing the over on that. I mean, they're good. Semyon has been one of my favorite players for a while. Corey Seager is obviously very good. Uh, I have them fourth in that division, and I think I'm going to stand by that. Do you, oh, you ha- you have it listed out? Who do you have in front of them? Uh, I think, oh, I have the Astros, the Mariners, and the Angels in front of them in that Ooh. division. Do you disagree? Okay. Would you put them above the Angels? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, wow, okay, okay, interesting. I, I mean, that's in- I think it's interesting similar. you have them. I don't know, what what are you banking on for, for LA? Like, just tr- just Trout and, jo- and Trout and uh, Mike Trout and Mike Trout and Otani? <laughs> I mean, yeah, essentially Otani Anderson. I kind of like, uh, I don't know for me, it's the Astros the Mariners and then a giant step down and then like the angels and the Rangers and then another step down to Oakland. So I could, I could see an argument for Texas being ahead of the angels, but I don't know. I can't change my mind now. This is how I had it when I made, had my Ooh. first instinct. No, I like it. Make it, take it, <laughs> stick to it. I, I've, I've been squatting on a few takes for a while. Like one, one of my takes is that the Cubs will be good again. Um, I, 
I don't know. It's just like I, one of my one of my best friends is a Cubs fan, so him and I are just like he's got me up to date on like Cubs top prospects now. So we're we're a Matt Mervis podcast. We're also a Pete Crow Armstrong podcast. But like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's uh, I don't. Do you think the NL Central is the worst division in baseball? Mm, maybe. I mean, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. That's tough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like the NL Central winner has like. 88 wins <laughs> yeah i mean the cardinals and the brewers have good teams i i don't like i don't hate them they're pretty good but yeah it's tough to be a top tier division with two teams like that in it i think Ooh, what about the al central i feel like that might it's it's not the worst but like it's the most uninspiring that's maybe the word i would use okay uh i think that the nl central was worse than this than the Royals and Tigers. I think the Reds and the Pirates are both worse in both of those teams. <laughs> there should be like a sports center, not top 10, but just like, yeah, it should just be the worst, most bland, boring teams. I Why would do you put, think they're boring? I don't know. I've never been, I've never had fun watching two teams from the AL Central play each other. I'll say that. Interesting. I've never okay. like, I've never watched MLB Network. Like they'll always have like the Tigers and the White Sox on. I'll be like, I'm not can't can't sit through that what about twins guardians i mean the guardians are fun ish but like (laughs) there's not a lot like so i think i had the white Sox winning the world no i had them going to the world series last year and i think i might have picked them back-to-back years to be my world series for the al and they've let me down as they probably did a lot of people um i i don't know i just feel like that whole there's just the whole vibes off in that division (laughs) to each their own (laughs) yeah what what's okay so what's the best division in baseball i mean i'm i have to say the al east i just have to (laughs) yeah i mean my favorite teams in there i worked for the yankees so like this is definitely my favorite division i mean i grew up watching them but i think that they all the teams in here are very good like even boston like obviously they've gotten a lot of bad media but I genuinely do not know how this team is going to perform. Like they've got some really good hitters. They've got some like pitchers that could go either way. They've got some like interesting pitchers like Whitlock and Hauk. So I think there's something brewing there. That's not going to make them like boring to watch per se. That's at the end of the day, that's all I asked for is like, if you're like, you can lose, but like make it entertaining. Like the pirates are entertaining when they lose. Like, are you like, you know, maybe in the back of your mind, is there a little party that's like, a little Red Sox fan just because of Heim Bloom? Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it's nice that he's there. Like, I wish him success. Um, but no, I- I'd rather have the Rays win and beat them every single time than root for the Red Sox once just because he's there. <laughs> <laughs> there should be, I think there should be like the next level of baseball fandom is like, like general manager fandom. Like, I feel like they should have trading cards. Like I would buy like a Ben Charrington, like <laughs> I would buy a Topps Ben Charrington tomorrow. I mean, that would be interesting. I mean, some of them are so smart. It's really unbelievable. I mean, I have a special place in my heart for Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers because he was started with the Rays and he really set up that system there. So Mike Elias could be that way too. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards liking Mike Elias. I'll say that. I mean, yeah. I mean, the team that he built is like, it's not bad. Like it's getting better. All these young guys are super exciting. So it's weird though with the Orioles. Cause I've always been conflicted on like, I grew up in like 
you know, they were so bad. So I was just like, you know, kind of along for the ride, but like from 12 to 16, when they were winning everything, I was like, Dan Duquette's my guy. I'll go to war for Dan Duquette. <laughs> and then it, it all kind of collapsed. Yeah. And a lot of the guys that the Orioles have now that are good are Duquette guys. So there's a little part of me that's just like, you can't claim Grayson Rodriguez. That was Dan's guy. Oh, okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. I don't, well? I might be alone. I don't think there's another Orioles fan that cares or that likes Dan Duquette. <laughs> My last, last question is, uh, this has been great, by the way. Uh, please, everybody check out the Scout Girl Report uh, and, you know, and Andrea on Twitter. But do you have any questions for me is my last question. Any questions for you? Yes. Okay, I need your hottest table. take for the 2023 season. Ooh. I think the balanced schedule is going to matter a lot more than people think. And I've had this debate with many a, peop- with many a friend, but the fact that, like, you can't just beat up on the bad teams in your division as often. I don't know why people aren't talking about that more. Like if you're like the NL East and you're the Mets right now, you're pissed. Cause you're like, mm-hmm. we don't, we want to play the Nationals and the Marlins, <laughs> but yes. like, I don't know why, like, why do you think that's, is it, maybe it's just not a, like, it's not like a fun, like thing to talk about. I don't know, but balanced schedule will be a big deal. It's my hot take. Absolutely. I'm with you. I didn't, I didn't know that was a hot take. It should be. Cause no one's talking about it. That's a I just don't take. think people are aware of it. Maybe we need to do some education first and then people <laughs> can formulate takes after. Yeah. There was an interesting article on the athletic that just came out. I forget who wrote it. So I'm sorry to that author, but um, they broke down like how the more balanced schedule is now affecting like the traveling that the teams have to do. And like the Red Sox, the Rays, like the West teams, their traveling is going up like 5,000 miles or something, which is crazy because they were already traveling so much. And now they're doing that even more. And I wonder how like that is going to affect them as well. Ooh, that's a good point. I know in football, like if you're like the Seahawks or something and like you have to go travel across and play the the Dolphins or whatever, like, oh, how's that flight going to impact the team? But it's like they play once a week. I can't imagine what like the Mariners going making regular trips to Miami will do. Exactly. Like, I, I don't know. Like, and like you said, like you can't just like bank on like a certain amount of wins from your own division anymore. You really have yep. no idea. And like, if the team is cold at a certain time or hot, like that could really sway like a, another division completely. I think another thing is that like, it'll help like weed out like the teams that make the playoffs on the backs of the bad teams, in their division, because I want to say it was 2021 that Tampa beat the Orioles 18 out of 19 times where like the Phillies mm-hmm. beat up the nationals. I, every single time they played. So it's like, that's kind of not fair. So this year, like the 2023 World Series champ onward will be like the better, like the best of the best. Absolutely. Yeah. Who do you that's think it's going to be? The, that so wasn't fair. Tampa beating the Orioles every time. Um, That's a sore ooh. spot for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like every time. It's like, really? It's like the the Nationals and the Marlins just got demolished by every team in that division. Um. I don't know. That's, I don't know if I have a good read on like, okay. So I mean, I'm looking at like, you know, the best teams in baseball right now. I don't know. I like, I like LA obviously, but everybody likes LA. I don't know. Like, do you have that planned out? Do you have the foresight to go into November of 2023 right now? No, but I, I'm struggling to see how it's going to be someone other than the Astros, unless someone just gets really hot in September and October. Like, I think the Astros well, are, like, unbelievable, that team. Well, they lost. They lost Verlander. Um, I don't know. I could see, although they don't, who's the who's their next hottest pitching prospect that they have? 
Is it oh, like uh, Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's supposed to be really good. And by the way, their rotation is fine still. Valdez, Javier, McCullers, Garcia, and Urquidy. Fair. Like, I don't know. Really I always just rotation. like. I maybe I, I just like to hang my hat on like well he's well Verlander's not there so it's like <laughs> how good could they be I think San Diego will make a good run this year we're big yeah. Padres people on this podcast there's a lot oh, of San Diego San Diego I don't know what the San Diego wins San Diegoites I don't know there's a lot <laughs> of those people that listen to this um maybe we should just do like what do you like about the Padres this will satisfy them well I mean their offense is unbelievable <laughs> but the issue is they have too many. But they have too many position players. Like, there's not room to do anything with them. Like, one thing I was looking at the other day was, okay, when Tatis comes back, like, let's say he plays outfield, like, left field somewhere, because Bogars is that short. But, like, until then, like, they've got Carpenter randomly playing left field, maybe splitting time <laughs> with Adam Engel. I mean, that's, like, an interesting combination. And then, like, Tatis rotating between left field, shortstop, maybe third base. Like, it's – I mean, they have a lot of options, which is never bad. Um, and it can't hurt to have like these types of players in the lineup. So yeah, I think they've got a lot of exciting things to look forward to. I mean, their fan fest looks so much fun as well. It was this past weekend. <laughs> yeah. We, we, I, I tweeted a picture of like the 2015 versus this year. There's like 10 X the people there, but I think the Padres are just trying to see, like, it's like a thought experiment. It's like, what if every person on this field at one point was a shortstop? How would that turn out? <laughs> Like, that's funny <laughs> every every single one of them was a shortstop <laughs> whatever works right i mean they obviously built a very good team so yeah they've got a good pen they should be fun to watch even if they don't win absolutely like i don't know i've just been well obviously the soto connection is is that runs deep with me so i might just be like do you have like multiple favorite teams or like teams that you watch more than others uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely watch like the AL East just in general more just because they're the ones that we see all the time. And like, I think the Orioles are so fun that they're like a sneaky favorite team for me. And then I really like the Mariners. Like, I think they're awesome. I think their rotation is, is underrated right now. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I was rooting for them really hard this past, uh, ALDS, I guess. Um, I couldn't will them to any single victories. Did you watch the 18 inning Mariners Astros game? Honestly, no. I was working. <laughs> oh, Sorry. What a game you missed. What a yeah. game. I think it still might be going if you, yeah. The whole playoffs and like September is a blur. <laughs> I don't remember anything from that time. Wow. That's a, dang. Yeah. The, uh, I don't know. There's just something fun about, about Seattle and being back in the playoffs. So I hope I'm looking at their team now. I like, I like a lot of these guys. No, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, can you, so can you plug your socials? Is it all, uh, what is it at for everybody to follow? Is it at Scout Girl Report for every one of them? Yes, for every single social, it's at Scout Girl okay. Report. Yeah. That makes it easier because I it feel does. like it's like we, we're breaking bats pod and we're like, okay, we finally got that on all of them. But um, Perfect. no, this has been great. Please everybody check out the blog, follow her on Twitter. It's amazing Twitter follow, just racking up the views and, and the retweets on there all the time. So uh, keep doing what you're doing and we'll have to have you back on again sometime. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me on. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.
go running like a video. You're haunted by the weight of 